Welcome to the teaching ministry of Dr. Fred Lowry, illuminating God's Word for today's world. The choice, the Word of God, or the world. The choice, Christ, or culture for us. We can choose Christ. wife uh, and Gail Dooley are at New Orleans Seminary taking some, beginning some coursework to, to get us to be certified as, uh, in women's ministry. I don't know what all that means, but uh, that's what they're, uh, uh, they're doing. And Lee usually keeps uh, Laura Lee on Wednesday, so I got to have her for some time this morning, and I set her up to watch, a little, uh, watch, watch Dora which excites her, and uh, I was looking at the Romans, and she came over to me, and she said, "Uh, Doc, Doc, I don't want you to do that. I want you to watch the movie with me, and I said that you're going to make a good wife. (laughs) We are in the third chapter of this wonderful book of Romans. And our key verse tonight is verse 21. But now a righteousness from God, apart from the law, has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. I'm sure you're aware of the power of words. Uh, Words are absolutely amazing in the impact, the power that they have. Uh, to hear a doctor say to you, you have cancer. Or I'm sorry, your child will not make it. The power of those words, life-changing. They can be a curse or they can be wonderful. You've just won the lottery. Some would think that would just be absolutely heaven. Words are powerful. A few words can change your life forever. And what we're going to find in this, this, this book of Romans, we've come to a place where two words are absolutely amazing and life-changing. Two little words separate all that's gone on before from all that comes after. Two incredibly powerful words. In in these first three chapters, we've looked at the hopelessness of all mankind, hopelessly corrupt, hopelessly depraved, hopelessly helpless, unable to change, hopelessly lost. We look back at Paul's picture of hopelessness in, in verse 10. As it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands, no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. Pretty powerful words. And so last week we asked the question, are we really that bad? And Paul says, yes, you are. You're certainly that bad. In verses 13 to 17, he lifts the lid of the garbage dump of total depravity, and we have one of the most graphic pictures of human sinfulness in all the Bible. 
And what Paul is saying is that everything we are has been touched and tainted by sin. Our intellect, our speech, our will, our actions, everything that we are. There is no part of us that has not been infected by sin. That's what the theologians call total depravity. And we're eaten up with it. Does that mean that we can't do any good things? Uh, certainly not. Does it mean that we're as bad as we can be? Hopefully you're not as bad as you can be. It does mean that we are sinners through and through. This inner corruption is a rattle, radical corruption that touches everything about us. Here's what one good man said. I do not know what the heart of a bad man is like, but I do know what the heart of a good man is like, and it is terrible. That's an honest, good man. And then Paul shows us the cause of depravity in verse 18. There is no fear of God before their eyes. And then in verses 19 and 20, we see that the law unmasks us. It strips away our self-deceit and reveals the nakedness of our soul, our inner corruption, our total depravity. For you see, the law cannot make us righteous. The law stops up our mouths. The law silences us so that we stand guilty before God. You see, here is the dilemma for God and man. How can we, such sinful people, I'm talking about radically corrupt, through and through, how can we ever be made right in the eyes of God and then divine justice demands condemnation and judgment and yet divine love wants to reach out to guilty humanity and offer hope that's a dilemma how can all that work together we we have a sinful condition we are we are eaten up with sin and because of that we deserve the judgment and the wrath of god and God, because he is holy and because of his character, has to judge sin. And yet he wants to offer us hope and forgiveness. So how can all that be worked out? How can that be solved? Well, God solves that dilemma with a miracle of righteousness. That's what I'm calling it. The miracle of righteousness. And he signals it with two words. Two powerful life-changing words two little words but now but now changes absolutely everything but now remember last week when we were we were just going over that that catalog of of sinful humanity the depravity of man and it was so depressing but I promise you there is light at the end of the tunnel. And the light at the end of sin's tunnel is but now. But now. 
God provides what he requires. But now there is hope for the hopeless. What God requires, perfect righteousness, he provides. You know, when I, when I study, I have a Bible to my left, and that particular Bible has four translations side by side, so I can just look at the, at the different translations. And I usually, I'm using the, the NIV. So I just glanced over there to see this 21st verse, how it began in the other translations. And in the King James Version, it begins, but now. In the New Living Bible, it begins, but now. In the New American Standard Bible, it begins, but now. In the NIV, it begins, but now. Now, that's all the translations I had close by, but I got a feeling that verse should begin, but now. And those words are important words. Those words are the difference between life and death, heaven and hell. Salvation and condemnation. You see, but now moves us from man's complete ruin in sin to God's perfect remedy for sin. But now. But now is God's total answer to man's total failure. Paul's use of this word now is, uh, is interesting because he uses it so many times and basically every time he uses it, it's powerful. Just the word, this simple little word now. In chapter 5, verse 9, he says, being now justified by his blood. All oh, the difference that makes. Now that you're justified by his blood. In verse 11, we have now received the atonement. Everything is different because now our sins have been atoned. We are at one with God through Christ. Verse, chapter 6, verse 22, but now being made free from sin. Chapter 7, verse 6, now we are delivered from the law. Now. And then this is my favorite in, in chapter 8, verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Wonderful. And in Ephesians 2, 13, he writes, But now ye who were once far off, Gentile dogs to be exact, are made nigh by the blood of Jesus Christ now. This is what you were, but now. Over here, you're hopeless. You're not only a corrupt sinner, corrupt through and through, but you are helpless to do anything about it. But now. But now. Paul uh, seems to have a, his philosophy of, of time then and now. He seems to separate everything into then and now. Then is everything before Christ. And now is everything after Christ and all that results from Christ, all that's contingent upon his death on Calvary's cross. Then we were dead in trespasses and sins. Now we are alive forever. Then we were under the law. Now we're under grace. Then and now. 
But now a righteousness from God apart from the law, verse 21, has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. We're talking about the miracle of righteousness which solves the the dilemma of man. It solves man's great problem, the sin problem, and God's problem of having to judge sin. And so he says two things about this miracle of righteousness. Number one, he says it's not new. And number two, he says it's apart from the law. You see, law righteousness is a reward for works. Miracle righteousness is a gift to be received. When when the Old Testament writers wrote, they didn't have the fully revealed gospel as you and I have it. They, They had the law. But they knew that it was apart from the law. You see, the blood of animals, and remember they would take the two goats on the Day of Atonement, and the the high priest would take them in the Holy of Holies. One goat would be slain, and the blood rubbed on the mercy seat, and then blood put on the head of the other goat, and it would be uh, headed to the wilderness uh, so that it would be symbolic of taking the sins uh, away. But we know that in the, in the Old Testament, the blood of animals could never take the sin away. It could only cover it until the coming of Christ and his death and his shedding of blood on Calvary. There would never be a finished salvation. You see, the Old Testament is fulfilled in Jesus Christ. The law is fulfilled in Christ. It was all pointing to Christ. All those types and shadows are all pointing to Christ. The Old Testament is incomplete. David and Abraham and those men of faith of the Old Testament received God's righteousness by faith. And Paul will talk about that in chapter 4. So the gospel is embedded in the Old Testament. But it's manifested in the New Testament. Donald Gray Barnhouse is one of my favorite uh, writers. And in his Bible over this passage, he draws a heart. He superinscribes a heart. Why? Because, now listen to me, this passage is the heart of the gospel. This passage is the turning point in Romans. I'm so grateful you've stayed with me up till now because it's just now going to start really getting good. This is the turning point in Romans. But I'm going to go out a little bit further and tell you that I believe these may well be the most important verses in the entire Bible. It's the revelation of the miracle righteousness. It's the solving of the dilemma with God and man, holy God and sinful man. And these verses answer the question, how can totally corrupt sinners, corrupt to the core, every part of their being, be made totally justified with a holy God? Holy justified before a holy God. How can that be? It's the miracle of righteousness. 
I want to say three things about it. Number one, in your notes there, the miracle of righteousness is apart from the law. That's what it says. It's, a, it's the righteousness of God without the law is manifested. It's apart from the law. Uh, Barnhouse uses a, a yardstick, and uh, he draws this yardstick, and, and then he draws lines, and he says, you know, one person uh, may, you know, be terrible, and another person may not be so bad, another person not so bad, and some will need more grace than others, but nobody can, can measure up to what God requires. Uh, there's another illustration about jumping the, the Grand Canyon. Uh, if you're going to jump the Grand Canyon, you may jump out there 10 feet. Or if you're like Steve and athletic or Todd, you may jump 20 feet out there. Or some guy might jump out there 25 feet. He's a Lance Armstrong or somebody who's really really in shape but it doesn't matter how far you jump because nobody's going to make it the other side i mean really when you think about it you know i mean when you're down the bottom dead it didn't matter where you made it 10 feet or 20 feet or 30 feet did it either way you're seriously dead because you simply could not jump the grand canyon but let me tell you something that uh that i want you to think about it may be that both of those illustrations still fall painfully short of the real picture. Because it's not a situation where somebody needs 30% grace and somebody you know, who's a little worse needs 40% grace and somebody who's a lot worse needs 75% grace. It's not that at all. Every one of us we're totally bad. And there is not any way that anyone's goodness or all of our goodness combined could ever even get close to what God requires with perfect righteousness. Because even if you could keep the law and you can't, then there would need to be the blood sacrifice, a perfect sacrifice. So what Paul is saying is that Christ's righteousness is so far beyond anything that any human being could ever realize that the only way it could ever come is totally as a gift, totally as grace. We hope you were blessed by our program today. If you would like a copy of today's program, go to www. FredLowry.com, where you can find this program and other Christian resources by Dr. Fred Lowry. 